Well, this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 22 is where we find our text for this morning's message, which is titled, Train Up a Child. Train Up a Child. You can also follow along on version Bible app if you prefer to do that. But either way, I'm going to encourage you to engage with the scriptures and uh, for all of us to do this together until we can really uh, zero in on what God is uh, wants us to know what God is saying to us today and, and, and learn it, receive it, and apply it. Two weeks ago, we started a series titled, Taking God at His Word, God's Promises for Your Every Need. And the song that we just sang is perfect. It fits in with, uh, with this series perfectly. Uh, if you have missed the, either the first two uh, sermons in this series, I encourage you to go back uh, you can find it on our podcast, on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can go to um, YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, and, and, and find the, the sermons there as well. Uh, so we started two weeks ago, and after uh, an introductory sermon on that first uh, week, last week we began to look at uh, some of the promises of God, and that's what this series is about. We're going to go through the promises of God. And I just realized that I didn't dismiss the children. So we're going to dismiss the children right now. And uh, boys and girls uh, for Children's Church. And uh, we want them to, to get a teaching uh, of God's Word at their level. Which is, uh, incidentally, one of the things we're going to talk about today. So as the children um, make their way to Children's Church and the little ones uh, to the, the nursery, we appreciate those those who teach them and, and, and take care of our of our kids. So uh, last week we began to look at one uh, at the first uh, promise in this series, and I said that we're going to be looking at a series of promises throughout this month and into June, in fact. And the promise we looked at last week is found in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It's a well-known promise. It reads like this: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Some translations say, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And so we spoke about what that means, that God makes our path straight. Uh, but we also talked about how that's a conditional promise. And I explained to you the difference between an unconditional promise of God and a conditional promise of God. And so today we're going to look at another proverb. And the one found in, in Proverbs 22, 6. And it's a proverb that, again, is very well known and often quoted. But before we, we get into the study of that proverb, Proverbs 22, 6, I want to say a few things about this book of Proverbs. And I alluded to some of these things last week, but I didn't say them clearly. And I, and I want to do that today. Uh, I hear a lot of people say, well, this the book of Proverbs is, is a little interesting. And it is because... A proverb is a saying, it's a short saying uh, of wisdom. Uh, we have proverbs in our culture. Uh, every culture has proverbs. My parents used to say, uh, had sayings from Mexico, because that's where they grew up. And they had these sayings, things like, Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Right? Tell me who you walk, who you're hanging around, hanging around with, and I'll tell you who you are. That's a proverb. Right? And so things like that. How many of you heard like things like that from your parents, right? And so in our culture, in all our cult every culture, we have proverbs. Uh, in our uh, American culture, uh, 
somebody once said, I think it was Ben Franklin, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right? So they're wise sayings about life. And so uh, the book of Proverbs and the scriptures, and people say, okay, the Proverbs are not promises. They're not promises. In other words, they're saying, and, and I, let me tell you that I do agree with this. This is true. A proverb is not the same thing as a promise. I think that's basically true. But I also think there's more to it than that. Now, Proverbs in the Bible are from the genre that we call the wisdom literature, along with Job and, and Psalms. And Proverbs are not really meant to provide easy answers. Sometimes we see them that way, and, and we interpret them as just an easy solution. And then when things don't work out as easily as we think they should, then we say, well, what? You know, this is God's word, and God doesn't lie. And, and so, like last week, I, I, we talked about uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and He will make your path straight. And, and we talked about what that means. But remember I said, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have any problems. That doesn't mean that your, your ride's going to be smooth all the way to heaven. Uh, you know, your, your path will be smooth. Uh, your path will be straight, will be direct. He'll lead you. But there are always going to be some bumps along the road. Well, you know, when we trust in God, we minimize those bumps. And so... The promise is true, but it's not a guarantee. See, there's a difference between a guarantee and a promise. A guarantee is like, like an unconditional promise. Like, no matter what happens, this is, this is going to come to pass. And God has uh, unconditional uh, promises. Uh, you know, he said that he was going to send Jesus, and, and Satan tried to stop that, but Jesus was born. Uh, God has promised that Jesus is coming back. You know, whether we want to uh, believe it or accept it or not, it doesn't matter. It's, it's an unconditional promise. It's going to happen. And so uh, getting back to Proverbs, Proverbs are unconditional promises in the sense that they're not meant to provide easy answers. Rather, they are meant to teach us to navigate the complex situations in life. And how many of you know that life is very complex? Life is not easy. And so as such, Proverbs then are not simple principles, simple answers. They just work like that. But rather, because life is complex and the human will is involved in decision making, then we need God's wisdom, not man's wisdom, not Benjamin Franklin's wisdom or our ancestors from Mexico or wherever you might have come from. Their wisdom was great. But we need God's wisdom uh, because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs. And so we need to learn to study Proverbs as a whole. Uh, there was a very well-known uh, German literary figure in the 19th century by the name of Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. And Goethe once said, he's talking about languages, and he said, whoever knows one language really doesn't know any languages. And, uh, and I get his point. And I think the same is true about Proverbs. If we just know one proverb here or there, here or there, then we don't really know the book of Proverbs because we zero in on one and say, because this is God's promise. Yeah, but there's another promise uh, somewhere else, another proverb, I should say, somewhere else that tends to contradict the one that we're hanging on to. So which one is true? Well, they're both true because life is complex and it depends, it depends on the situation. So uh, I think it's important we understand that about the book of Proverbs. That doesn't mean that God's word isn't true and that it's not God's word. I think Proverbs in the Bible, is, this book is elevated above the Proverbs of our culture. 
They're not just a province of our culture. They're in God's word, but nevertheless, we need to study them and, and know that there is a condition and then the result. So look at today's proverb. And I, I give all that background because this proverb here has been quoted by many people, has been claimed by parents everywhere, and rightly so, except that many parents see it as an automatic guarantee, and when it doesn't come to pass, they, they're confused or they become angry with God. Here's what it says, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old. He will not depart from it. How many of you have heard that and have claimed that for your own children? And I think this is proper. I think this is fine. But, and so sometimes we, we see young people who grow up and they leave the Lord. They leave the path of following God. And so the parents are thinking, well, they're going to come back. They're going to come back because the Bible guarantees it, that even when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't guarantee they'll come back. The Bible says that when they're old, they're not going to leave it, period. But we know some do because the human will is involved. And God does not force anybody to serve him like a robot. And so this is, this is a proverb to teach us how to navigate the complex situations in life. And how many of you know that being a parent is complex? Being a parent of more than one child is, is complex because every child is different. We'll talk some more about that. And... Um, Bethany shared a meme. I think I saw that she, she liked it or, or something on Twitter. I, I, I saw that something about when you have one child, you have one child. When you have two children, you have two children. When you have three children, you have 15 children. And it feels that way because parenting is very complex. And so some people read this, uh, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he, he is old, he will not depart from it. And they say, well, he's going to come back. She's going to come back. Because it's guaranteed. Well, as I said to you, it's not a guarantee. It is a promise with a condition, but it's not the same thing as a guarantee. So I think these proverbs, as I've been saying, help us to navigate the difficult situations in life. But they also remind us of God's conditional promises, that God's promises are yes and amen. When we follow his word, when we when we do what he teaches us to do. Uh, so. Um, I think that's what happened to a lot of parents who misinterpret this. And so uh, what I want us to look at what, at what we study as we study this, this proverb today as the case is in many proverbs in the Bible. We read a condition and then a result of that condition being fulfilled, a cause and effect. In other words, this is a pattern. This is a pattern. Train up a child in the way, in the way he should go. There's a condition. And then here is the promise, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, a promise of God, a conditional promise from God, but not a guarantee because we, the, the child still has to make a decision to follow God. But what I want to do today is I want to focus not on the second part because that's up to God. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's up to God. I want to talk about the first part, the part that pertains to us. Train up a child in the way he should go. That's what we should be focusing on. And a lot of times we say, well, he's going to come back because God promised it. Well, yeah, God promised that if we did our part, but have we done our part? So I want to start, first of all, by answering the question, what does it mean to train up a child? What does it mean to train up a child? The word train means to dedicate. I want you to remember that. 
It means to dedicate, as in dedicating a house or dedicating a building. Uh, to, it, it also means to designate something for a purpose. When you dedicate, uh, if you say, uh, this money here is dedicated to buying you know, a new sofa. We're going to save money. And so that, that fund is to buy new furniture. Right? It's, it's, it's dedicated for a purpose. It's designated for a purpose. So to train up a child means then to dedicate your children for a specific purpose. To train, the word train literally means to dedicate. So to train a child means to dedicate your children for a specific purpose. Now, the word also means to instruct early or to initiate early. By virtue of the definition, that word doesn't mean just when you get around to a train. But the word train just means get started right away. Initiate it right away. It includes the idea of teaching your children very early in life, very early in life. I saw something on, on Twitter yesterday, and it's, it's funny uh, how I'll, I'll be preparing my sermon during the week, and then um, I'll, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I see things that apply. It's like God guides me to things from somebody I don't even follow, but somebody else retweeted it, and, and I saw it. Someone, and they were sharing a, um, a post that someone uh, posted. Somebody posted a screenshot of some parents that are atheists, and this happened on Reddit. Somebody took a screenshot and they posted it on Twitter. But these are some parents that are atheists, and they're having a discussion about what their children had been watching on Netflix without their knowledge. So I'll read you one parent. One parent says, so my daughter has watched VeggieTales on Netflix. This is an atheist parent, right? I didn't know until she started talking about and he puts it in quotes, about the God of the sky and how he made us and protects us. And then he continues, my mistake for not monitoring her viewing more closely. When questioned about it, she said that she believes that veggie tales are real stories, but other shows like My Little Pony is make-believe. So his parent is worried. He says, any suggestions on how to approach this? <laughs> They're having this discussion on Reddit. Another, another, this is a dad too. Uh, the first one might have been a, a mom. This is a dad. He says, my five-year-old gets up around 20 minutes before everyone else and up until now has been fine with choosing something to watch on his own on Netflix. Uh, this morning, though, he was watching VeggieTales and I'm kind of flummoxed by it and not sure what the appropriate course of action is. And then he, he says some more things. It's kind of a lengthy post, so I'll cut some of it out. But he says, for the VeggieTales, though, I just don't know. I've never watched it more than a few minutes. I never watched more than a few minutes of it. So everything about it is contextual. My initial thought is, no, he doesn't need to watch that anymore. But how is that different from those crazy Christians objecting to Harry Potter and such? And then he says, I've always maintained that I want him to come to his own conclusions about religion. I feel like having a belief system shoved down a kid's throat is wrong, even if it is my belief system. As part of that, I try to teach him about different religious beliefs. And I always have a line like, some people believe. I try to keep it as neutral as possible while letting him know that I don't believe that. That I want him to make up his own mind when he's older. And not just disbelieve what I disbelieve. Anyway, I feel like VeggieTales is a way of sticking Christian beliefs into kids' heads. Indoctrinating them while they're young. 
Uh, and then he goes on. He says, I don't want to I don't want to overreact. Uh, but uh, I'm just not familiar enough with it. So any advice on the course of action I should take? And uh, I, I thought, boy, these atheist parents are really concerned about VeggieTales. Because, you know, VeggieTales teaches uh, Bible stories and Bible principles and, and morals. And, but the reason these parents are worried is because they know that children learn very early. In fact, and, and those of you that are parents know this, children understand things they can't even express. They, even before they speak, before they can express thoughts, they understand things. This is why you can tell them, go do this, and they'll go do it, even though they can't speak yet. They understand concepts that they, they have, there's no way, uh, or uh, there's no way they can express these concepts, but they, they know what you're trying to get them to do. That's a mind of a child. And so this is why the word train tells us, get started early. To me, it's the epitome of foolishness to do what this atheist, and I, and I hope he keeps doing that, but it's the epitome of foolishness to do what he's doing, but a lot of parents, Christian parents do too, and that is to say, I don't want to force my child to go to church. I want him to grow up and, and make up his own mind. Well, we all know what he's going to decide. We all know what direction, because we know the sin nature that we're all born with. And so we've got to get him started early. Uh, I, I love what... Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. 2 Timothy 3, 14. He wrote this, uh, speaking to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced, because you know those from whom you learned it. And look at verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, from infancy, what can infants learn? Uh, a lot more than, than we might realize. The point is just, and other translations to say from childhood, the point is just Timothy learned very early from his mom. Very early, he began to learn the holy scriptures, which make you wise into salvation, uh, Paul wrote. So, uh, as I said, some Christian parents make the, the same mistake as, as the dad in this conversation. Where they want their children to make up their own minds about God and about church, about religion. And that's always a mistake. Because children need the training that's going to put them on the right path as early as possible. And that means that, by, by the, as I said, by the very nature of the definition of the word train, uh, it's, it's never too early for uh, children to know what's best for them. What's the best path for them. So train them, dedicate them, dedicate their lives for this specific purpose and begin it early in life. Don't let anything else take the place of the training that they need to follow God. But uh, here's the next thing. What is this purpose to which we should dedicate their lives and dedicate ourselves to training them for? What is this purpose? Because we, we, we said this, uh, defined it as um, that we dedicate ourselves to, uh, we, we dedicate their lives, the word trained to dedicate their lives for a specific purpose. That's what it means. That's what the word trained means. To dedicate their lives for a specific purpose. What is this purpose that we're talking about? Did you notice that 
There is nothing in Proverbs 22.6, nothing about teaching your children about God. There's nothing there about how they will not stray from God's path. God isn't mentioned there. It says, train up, the, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It didn't say train up a child to follow God. And when he is old, he will not depart from following God. It doesn't mention God. We, we are to train up a child in the way he should go. Now, literally, and I, I spent a lot of time this week, and this, this sermon has been really difficult for me to put together because it's not easy. I spent a lot of time looking at different uh, sources and reading different uh, books, finding different um, definitions and uh, interpretations of this verse. And, and what I discovered is that phrase, turning up a child in the way he should go, was a phrase that was really added uh, about 1600 or so. Uh, originally, what this says in the Hebrew is train up a child in his way, in his way. So... The, the, the scholars who interpret it as in the way he should go, I mean, that's not far off. In the way he should go. You talk about a daughter in the way she should go in her way. Now, what does that mean? What is his way? We might say for a daughter her way. The Amplified Bible translates it this way or gives this interpretation. This is the, the Amplified Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. How many of you know that every one of your children, this is why I said if you have more than one child, then you, you understand that every one of your children is different in their individual personality, in their bent, in the things that, that they find interesting, in the things that, that they incline toward. They have things that they're alike because they're blood, but then there, there are things in which they are different. The Pentecostal uh, scholar, historian, uh, Jack Hayford, pastor as well, explained it this way. He said, and the way he should go is to do the training according to the unique personality, gifts, and aspirations of the child. So we need, we as parents, it's again, I, parenting is, is not for the faint-hearted because we as parents, we need to, uh, even early on, we, and we do this, we begin to, uh, their, their character begins to come out. You know, the children like, wow, I didn't know he had that anger issue or he loves to sing or whatever. You know, their character begins to come out. And we should embrace who they are and use that to train them to go the way that God wants them to go with that personality, with the gifts that they're going to have, with their aspirations. But I think that the, the second part of, of uh, Jack Hayford's definition is also very important. He, he writes, it's all, it also means to train the child to avoid whatever natural tendencies he might have that, that would prevent total commitment to God. Every one of your children uh, has not only their own personality, their own aspirations, their own giftings, but they also have their, their own um, uh, weak spots. And you as a parent begin to identify those. I could tell you, uh, all four of our children, I could tell you growing up what their weak spots were, where I found out Satan would tempt them. And we need to know that, and part of the training is teaching them how to avoid those things, how to make wise decisions. And this is where, of course, the Proverbs come in. So uh, those of you, as I said, who have more than one child, they really do have, you know that they have their unique personality and gifts and aspirations and temptations and weak spots. That means that we as parents 
must stay on our knees in prayer for wisdom in training them to follow the path that God has for their lives. Because, uh, and I look at my, my grandchildren, they're little now. They're, I love them. They, you know, they're a lot of fun. But they're going to grow up and they're going to have to choose a career. They're going to have to choose a spouse. They're going to be tempted in different areas. And they're not going to stay little forever. And so the training has to begin now. It has to begin now. And as early as they get older and they begin to develop different likes and dislikes, uh, our job is not just to get them out of the house when they turn 18. That's the easy way out. But we've got to uh, you know, train them before they turn 18. And even after they're 18, when they're looking for their purpose, help them to find their purpose, to prepare for it, and to live their life to the full, to enjoy life. I love, uh, I love, I'm going to show you a verse. In fact, I'm going to read a, uh, a story here in a minute in Judges 13. But there's one verse that really impacted me this week in my sermon prep. And, and it's found in Judges. A story, there's a story in Judges, and many of you know this story, uh, about a man named uh, Samson. And so the story begins in Judges 13. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Judges 13 and read the story with me. And, and then I want to I take you somewhere with this that I think will be helpful for us as parents, especially those of you who ha still have children at home. So Judges 13, beginning with verse 2, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. And here was his purpose. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So Samson's purpose was to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And, and he was uh, a Nazarite. And the description of the Nazarite is right there in verse 5. Someone whose hair was never uh, cut. And there were other things that aren't listed here. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, draw near to any dead uh, animal, any corpse of any kind, human or, or animal. He couldn't drink wine. Um, any other alcoholic beverages, certain foods were forbidden because he was set apart specifically for a purpose, uh, even more so than the general population. So he was a Nazarite. So this angel appears to this woman, Manoah's wife. She hears this. She runs to her husband and tells him what happened. This man appeared and told me this and this and this. And remember, she, she couldn't have any children. She was sterile. But now the angel is saying, you're going to have a, a, a son. So... Manoah, the husband, then prayed and he asked God, say, God, allow this man that appeared to my wife, allow him to appear to me, too, to, to the two of us, to speak to the two of us. And God answered that prayer. God allowed that to happen. So the angel appeared again to his wife and she ran to this time. She ran to get her husband, brought him back. And uh, when the man finally saw the angel for the first time, Manoah, the husband, the father to be. Asked the angel this question. Look at Judges 13, 12. So Manoah asked him, When your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? 
I love that question. What kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? That's the question we should ask about our children, every one of them. What are the rules for my son's life? What are the rules that should govern his life? My daughter, what are the rules that should govern her life, her life and her work? I mean, he's covering everything. Just what are the rules for his life? Tell me. Every parent should ask that of God before the child is born, after the child is born, as the children are growing. And that may be a question that is answered in stages. So we need to be prepared to pray daily as we train them along the way. God, I don't know. I don't know this of myself. Tell me, how am I supposed to train this child, his life, his work, her life, her work? So as you can see, parenting, as I said, isn't for the faint of heart. In fact, that's why we honor our moms today. Because they've done that. Because it's, it's a, it's a God-given job that they've embraced, and it's not an easy job. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, so does that mean that I have been interpreting this verse incorrectly all my life? I mean, I thought it had to do with teach your child to follow God, and when they get old, they won't depart from the path of following God. And if they do depart, they'll come back. We always add that part. That wasn't in the book. We add that part. They'll come back. So, Pastor, you're telling me I've been misinterpreting this? Well, yes and no. Uh, yes, if, if you've been looking at this verse incorrectly, if you thought that the only thing it was about was about training your child to follow God, and then he would not ever leave, or if he did, he would come back. But no, you weren't wrong if you thought that it also includes raising them to follow God. Now, I think we, we don't give enough attention to the first part. It's not directly talking about God. It's, direct, it's talking about training them in the way they should go according to their personality. Asking the question that Manoah asked, what are the rules that will govern his life and work or her life and work? I think that's what it's about. But also... I do think, and, 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 I, and by the way, I mentioned this last week, uh, God's Word is not just simple in terms of understanding things on one layer. It's multi-layered. It can mean more than one thing. And this is one of those cases where even though it doesn't say God, doesn't talk about God's path, I believe it does, it does mean that as well as training them in the way they should go according to their unique personality. And I think the reason I believe that is we have a really strong clue by looking. We're going to go full circle here and go back to the word train by looking at the word train once more. I've already told you that this word means to dedicate as one dedicates a house or a building, a building like, say, a temple. That's what that's how this word was used in the Bible. It refers to being set apart for a, a special purpose. The way that Samson was set apart, he was set apart as a Nazarite, he was dedicated as a Nazarite. And the way that the temple in the Old Testament was dedicated to God, it was set apart, it was dedicated for a, for a specific purpose. It was a place where God was going to meet His people. And that's the way that our children should also be dedicated to God. Not just at a, in a one-time ceremony, but throughout the years that we have influence on them, we should dedicate them to God. And it all goes back to the word, train up a child. 
train up a child, because that word means to dedicate. Other translations say start a child or, or um, direct a child in the way he should go. And all those are, are part of the, of the definition, but the main one means to dedicate. Hannah dedicated her son Samuel. In 1 Samuel 1, 28, we read that she said, So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So we, we know this is something we do. Right? We dedicate our children after they're born. We, we bring them and we say, I dedicate him to you, God. But in reality, as I say, each time we do this, it's also a parent dedication where the parents dedicate themselves to train up their child in the way he should go. And the way he should go, as I said, not just means their unique personality, but it also means following God. Going back to what the word dedicate means. Dedicate means to uh, set apart for the purpose of following God. Now, when Solomon built a temple in the Old Testament, listen to this, because there's so many uh, connections here, and I think you can make these on your own. When Solomon built a temple to God, he dedicated it to God, right? We're to dedicate our children, not just one time, but throughout their lives. We're to train them. When Solomon built a temple, he built it according to God's exact specifications. When we dedicate our children, we do, we do it according to the plan that God gives us. Like Manoah, God, what are the rules that will govern my child's life and work? We have to follow, just like Solomon had to follow God's exact specifications to, to the temple, for the temple before he dedicated it. We have to follow God's direction for our children as we train them as part of our dedication. And so when Solomon finished the temple, then they had a time of, dedic of dedication. And here's what happened. Solomon prayed a long and beautiful prayer. I've heard this prayer. It was long, but it was beautiful. You can read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Beautiful prayer of dedication to God, dedicating themselves, the priests, the families, uh, everything, the furniture, everything, dedicating it to God. But here is the last part of his prayer, and I love this. And again, I want you to make the connection with our children. 2 Chronicles 6.41. 2 Chronicles, uh, Chronicles 6.41 at the end of his prayer, he says, And now arise, O Lord God, and enter your resting place. He's talking about the temple. He's talking about the Holy of Holies. He says, And now arise, O Lord God, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. And boy, did God enter the temple. God's presence entered that holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was that, that represented the presence of God. The next verse, chapter 7, verse 1, tells us that fire came down from heaven. Fire, imagine being there at the dedication of this temple. Fire came down from heaven, burned the sacrifices, and God's presence or God's glory filled the temple to the point that the priests could not enter to perform their duties. They could not enter to complete their responsibilities. Now let me tell you, this is what we want for our children. Just as the temple was dedicated and God's presence filled the temple, we want to dedicate our children. That is, we want to train them. We want this to be an ongoing event. And we want to say, God, I want your presence to come take its resting place in my children's lives. Because the Bible says now, after the, uh, in, the, in the New Covenant, 
that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is in the presence of God is not limited to the, the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, but the presence of God resides in every one of us who has surrendered his life to the Lord. So the prayer is, God, now enter. I've taught my children. I dedicated them to the Lord at the beginning, and now I'm dedicating them. Now as I train them, as I teach them, now I want you to enter your resting place in their lives. And, and he says, uh, may your priests be clothed with salvation. I would say, God, may, may my children be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in, good, in your goodness. We can pray this for our children. This is what we want for our children, for God to fill their lives with their presence so that our children's response would be the same as the response of the people on that occasion. Here's what happened on that occasion. The, uh, in 2 Chronicles 7.3, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. I want my children to respond the same way. But I've got to train them. I've got to train them and the way they should go according to their unique responsibilities. And I've got to train them by dedicating them to God, by, by teaching them to follow God. That's our part. The, the second part of that, that's God's part. He takes care of that. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. God, you promised. You know, God fills in the gaps. The things, you know, there are no perfect parents. And as I was... Uh, Preparing this week and, and praying this week, I, I, I thought, Lord, I don't, what I don't want to do is I don't want to make parents feel guilty. Like, I blew it. I didn't train my, my kids. Well, there are no perfect parents. And I, I've learned one thing. We do our best and God fills in the gaps. And God is good at, and he's merciful at filling the gaps. So don't beat yourself up. But I'm just telling you, this is what we uh, have a responsibility to do. So even though there is no mention of God in this verse, there's no mention of God's ways, there's no doubt in my mind that this verse teaches us to not only train our children for their specific purpose, but also to dedicate them to follow God as they fulfill that purpose in life. And so the promise, I think it's a promise like any other promise of God. We don't give up. If one of our children loses his way, I think we can tell God, Lord, I, I did what I could. I, I want you to, and I pray that you bring him back. I mean, we certainly have that privilege to pray. Bring my daughter back to your path. Bring my son back to your path. You know, children have to be willing to make the decision. I pray this way. I, I, when, when I'm asking about people, and I'm praying for not just young people, but older adults, to come back to the Lord, I'll, or to come to the Lord for the first time, I'll say, God, put somebody in their path. Or, or you know, I, not that God needs my permission, but I say, God, allow something to happen in their lives that will bring them to their knees and cause them to, to cry out to you. God knows how he's going to handle that. Our part is to be faithful in training and dedicating. I didn't even get into different ways we do this. Uh, you know, I didn't want to make it too long, but there are many ways that we do this, and it certainly starts with our example and our desire to have a godly home. I want us to finish today singing a song that we love to sing here at Solid Rock.
Come and fill our homes with your presence. This is our prayer. You alone are worthy of our reverence. It's never too late to turn our home into uh, a home where we worship God, where we serve God, where we follow God. Life is hard, folks. Life is hard. I talk to, I talk to parents sometimes, uh, um, not necessarily people from this church, but uh, to parents of, of, uh, that have young children or adult children, and they share some of the things that they're going through. I'm like, we all go through those things. We all go through but we can make a decision that we're going to follow God as a family. That we as parents will do the best that we can to train our children, to better children, to love them. This is what it's about. So if you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a grandparent even, let's devote ourselves to training. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray first and then we'll sing this song. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you that the word is true, Lord. That there's no doubt about it. Whether it's in Proverbs, Psalms, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter where it is, your word is true. Your promises are yes and amen. But God, we've got to remember that your promises are conditional. And help us to be faithful and keeping our part of it. I know that I haven't been a perfect dad. Far from it. Far from it. But God, I just pray that you would continue to fill in the gaps. And I pray for every mom. We have young moms. We have older, experienced moms. We have grand grandmothers today. We honor them all, dear God, on this day in which our country honors moms. We honor them and we thank you for them. And I pray that you would bless them with your wisdom, that as they look to you for strength, as they look to you for wisdom, to give advice to their children, to give counsel, occasionally maybe even to rebuke where that's needed, that you would anoint them, Father, to do that work. We love you, Father. We need you right now. And we pray this prayer together. Come and fill our homes. Come and do it, God, because today we're going to serve you together. Let's sing this song.